Take your Bibles to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14 this morning. So good to be here and uh, we certainly uh, just want to thank the Lord for the honor to be able to preach this morning in chapel and to be able to, um, just to be a blessing, I pray. A few mornings ago, praying about the Lord, what Lord would have me to preach on this morning and um, it was early and um, was praying and doing some other studying and and the Lord just laid this message on my heart and I've uh, never preached it before. And, but I feel like uh, maybe there was someone here today that needed it. And, um, you know, our theme this year, Romans 12, 2, be transformed, be not conformed. You know the verse? Let's, let's say verse 2 together. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good acceptable and perfect will of God. <clears throat> you know, God wants to transform our lives. And, uh, and so what we're going to talk about this morning, he's going to need to do what we're going to talk about this morning in order to do that. And I just want to say as well that in this group, uh, my wife and I have been so encouraged and impressed by the, the growth, the maturity of the young people in this school, in this church, and, uh, and just uh, encouraged by that. So many of you are, uh, you're years ahead of uh, some saved adults in your wisdom and in your uh, attitude and your spirit, and, uh, and that shows that there is a walk with the Lord. There shows that you're getting uh, with the Lord, and he's given you that wisdom and the grace. That's where you get it from. And that's where you become a wise young person is in your relationship with the Lord. But we're thrilled to be able to be here this morning. Romans chapter 14, and uh, let's look there, if you would, in verse 1. In Romans chapter 14, look at verse 1. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat of all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. One believeth and another believeth this. Verse three, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant to his own master? He standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another man, another esteemeth every day alike. And the last part of that verse, I want us to read that together uh, in that last part of the verse. Ready? Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. I titled the message this morning, Brother Leto, what convinced you? What persuaded you? And I was thinking about uh, several things in my life that God used that convinced me, that persuadeth me. In verse 5, that every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Now, I'll just say this. I, I, you know, only God knows your heart. You know, your parents don't know your heart, your teachers, your pastor and that doesn't know your heart. Only God knows your heart and you know your heart. 
and you know whether or not you have been convinced that God is real and, and that he's real in your life and that uh, he has a purpose for your life and that he loves you. And you're the only one who knows whether or not you're truly convinced of that. And I think sometimes we can all put on a show. We can all look like we do because we want to, you know, we don't want to want to fit in. And so we look like we're convinced that this, all this stuff about the Lord is, is real and, and uh, you're going to live for God and you're going to really do what God tells you to do with your life and, and so forth. But maybe but down deep, you're really not convinced. And in time, and in time, that will be seen. In time, uh, time always proves a person's character. Time always proves a person's decisions and choices in their life, uh, whether or not it was uh, real or not. And so, Brother Leto, what convinced you? We're going to pray as we do. I want us to remember, of course, Preacher and his family in prayer. And as uh, Spencer uh, gets, uh, he and uh, Cherith are getting married tomorrow night. Let's pray for that and pray for them as they uh, get everything. The family, of course, are busy and lots of stuff going on and getting ready for Jubilee next week and it's an exciting week next week. Amen? And, uh, you know, not only do we hear preaching every day, Monday through Wednesday, but praise God you get out of class. Amen? That's something to praise the Lord about. Amen? And you get out of class for a little while. Maybe the preacher will preach long. I think we're having two preachers each morning. And so, man, you get out of science and math and all that good stuff and get to be in chapel. And so that's going to be awesome or whatever class. I'm not sure. We won't miss lunch. Amen. <laughs> that was always my favorite class in school. Uh, lunch and, as you can tell, lunch and, uh, and recess were my two or PE, whatever. But those were always my I made straight A's in those classes, amen? And, uh, but uh, well, let's pray, and let's pray for them here this morning. Father, we're thankful to be able to be here today, and I pray, Lord, as you have laid this message upon my heart, that, Father, maybe it'll help one today. Lord, you love that one. You love us all. But, Lord, you work in each of our lives individually. You work in each of our lives personally, and you meet our needs personally. And, Father, I'm so grateful for that, so thankful. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that this morning that uh, this could be a help and, and Lord, to, to lead us to a greater transformation in our lives, greater change that you want to make in our hearts and our lives and our future and the choices that we make. And so, God, help us, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. This principle is, is throughout Scripture, but I'm just going to, you don't have to turn to these, but I want to read just a few other Scriptures that the Lord talks about being persuaded or being convinced uh, is another word that God uses. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 24, I'll just read to you. The Bible says, But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. This is uh, here by the church, uh, everyone in the church being able to convince others uh, of the Lord. And so uh, we're talking about here being convinced, being persuaded. Acts chapter 26, verse 28, the Lord says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost thou persuadest me or convincest me to be a Christian. 
In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, the Lord says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelleth first in thy grandmother, Lois, and thy mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Timothy was convinced by his mother. He was convinced by his grandmother uh, to have a faith in the Lord and to serve the Lord. And Paul said here that he was persuaded. He has seen that in his life as well. And then Romans chapter 4, verse 21 The Lord says there, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And then 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12, the Lord says, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. We find here in the scriptures, there are many others, where there was a, a time in somebody's life where they uh, were not persuaded. They were not convinced of what God had said or what God wanted for them or the influence of others in their life. But there came a time in their life where they were convinced that God is real and that God loves them and that God has a purpose in their life. For the first 13 years of my life, I was not convinced that God was real. I was unsaved, grew up in an unsaved home. And I went to church for the very first time when I was 13 years of age. And as a teenager, never went to church. And and that was the first time we were invited to go, my mother and I. She was a single mom and raising four kids. I was the only boy. And that particular Sunday morning, she and I went, we were invited to go. And that was the first time that I was ever, ever in church. And uh, before that, I was never convinced. I was not persuaded to believe God or to believe his word or uh, to give my heart to the Lord or believe that he was real. And I was not persuaded at that time. I was not convinced. Now, I believe this morning that there are some in this room who are not yet convinced that God loves you and that he says what he says in his word about you is true. What he says in his word about you is true. I I believe there's some in this room this morning that's not convinced. I believe this morning there are some there that uh, they do not uh, believe that the Lord has a better way or better plan for their life. I believe this morning there are some that are not convinced that the Lord can heal their brokenness and their hurt and uh, in their life. I believe that there are some in here this morning that you don't believe, you're not convinced that your testimony for the Lord makes a difference and it really matters. And uh, I believe that. And uh, I believe that this morning in this group, there are some that, that God is working on and God is dealing with, but you are not yet persuaded. The word convince means to persuade or satisfy the mind by evidence or to constrain one to admit and acknowledge. To be convinced, persuaded, to be satisfied in your mind. You've seen enough evidence and uh, you've been constrained enough to admit uh, what is right and uh, acknowledge what God says in his word. Now, those of you that are convinced in this room And I thank God for you. And I believe that most of what I'll say, you'll give a hearty amen to it in the next few minutes. 
And, uh, but I believe that uh, to some degree, God is still working to convince even you. Maybe you've been convinced in your life to begin to read your Bible. You've been convinced to pray and have a personal relationship with the Lord, but yet God has been dealing with you about something in your life and you've not yet been convinced enough, persuaded enough in your mind to make a decision about it and do what God is telling you to do. And though you're a good teenager, you're a good young person, there's still some things in your life that God is still trying to get you to do to persuade you to do, to convince you uh, to do. And um, I'll tell you this, that as long as you are breathing and living, God will be working in your life to convince you, to convince you, to persuade you in your life if you are not yet convinced. The Lord will keep using the people in your life to convince you. There are people that God has put in your life. For example, your Sunday school teacher, your teachers that teach Sunday school and teach the Bible. God has put them in your life to, to persuade you or to convince you. You have the uh, school teachers here in the, in the Christian school and uh, who God has put in your life to, to try to convince you and persuade you. You have good Christian friends. And these have God put in your life and they're praying and they're laboring to convince you to walk with the Lord and to serve him. The Lord will keep using the people in your life. The Lord will keep using the pastor and the preachers that God has put into your life to convince you. Every Sunday in Sunday school, God is working to convince you. And every Sunday morning service, God is working to convince you. In every Sunday night service, God is working to convince us. And every Wednesday night, God is working to convince us. I had grown, I'd gotten saved, and a few months later went to a teen camp. And I was during that teen camp, I, our preacher back home had preached about soul winning and preached about reaching our friends in our public school. Back in my day, there was... Uh, the Christian school movement, the Christian schools were, there were none that I ever knew of. And uh, we all went to public school and I went to, believe it or not, I went to Lato High School, <laughs> my last name. And, uh, and so there was a picture of the name, uh, the, per, the picture of the person that the school was named after. And uh, the bottom, it said, uh, uh, A.P. Lato. Anthony P. Leto, and they would say, is that your, is that your family member? Are you named, they named the school after you? I said, yes, my Uncle Tony, amen. And as my Uncle Tony, named it after him, but, and it may be popular in school, but anyway, um, but you uh, went to public school and our pastor encouraged us to win souls. And, and I remember that and I, and we did, I did try to, and, but I was not fully convinced yet. So I went to the camp and that camp, the theme for the teen camp uh, was soul winning and they uh, showed a picture, a, a video about the rapture and the tribulation period. And, and I remember during that week of camp, God broke my heart about reaching my, my family. I had family that wasn't saved and God broke my heart about going back home and reaching those in my public school that weren't saved. And, and I did, I mean, I went back home, but God used that event in my life. God convinced me through that camp and being there, God convinced me that people needed the Lord. 
And it may be that this coming week in the Jubilee, when we're meeting together and for the chapel time in the morning and the preacher's preaching, it may be in the evening service that God has been working with you about something in your life, maybe to get saved, maybe to surrender, maybe about some sin in your life. And, and during the camp meeting, God will work and, and God will deal with you and convince you and finally persuade you. You need to get saved or surrender or or confess and forsake some sin in your life as a Christian. God will do that. And uh, boy, preacher, preach a wonderful message about being where you need to be so you don't miss what you're not supposed to miss. And uh, boy, God's gonna be working this week in the Jubilee and excited about that. But the Lord, uh, he'll keep using the pastor and the preachers in your life to convince you. And uh, maybe this week at Jubilee, God will do some work in your life and my life to convince us some, some things that he's been trying to do so. The Lord will keep using your parents to convince you to love and to follow the Lord. Your parents are praying for you and they're laboring to put you uh, in a Christian school and, and they're coming to church with you and they're really uh, working and praying and they're their greatest desire is to see you convinced that the same Lord and God that they love and that they serve and that they uh, have given their life to or, or they come to church to worship, that you will do the same, that you would be convinced to do that as well. And so the Lord would keep using your parents as well. I will say this. I will just say, stay away. Someone says, excuse me, someone says, well, I will just stay away so God can't convince me. I'll just stay away. Some of you, maybe your parents don't come to church and, and, uh, and you, but you could come and you don't. And maybe there's an attitude, well, I'll just stay away from church and stay away from Sunday school. And every chance I get, I won't be in a, in a meeting where the preacher's preaching and where Sunday, the teacher's teaching. And every opportunity, I'm going to get out of that. But I'm going to tell you something, God will still work to convince you. If he can't convince you through uh, the people in your life that he puts and the preacher and the pastor and the pastor and the preachers in your life or your parents, God will work to convince you in other ways. I think of Vicki's sister. Vicki was in our youth group. She had a younger sister that was two years younger. Her name was Cindy. And uh, Cindy would, would come with Vicki, of course, to the youth group, our youth group. And as time went on, we all grew up with different directions. And one day I was, I was in a part of town and I was in a, I was in a bakery and, uh, and I was there and, and, uh, and I noticed Vicky's mom was there and I said, Oh, how are you doing? I can't remember her name, but I said, how's, uh, how's Vicky doing? And, and she said, she's doing well. She's living up in Georgia, she's married and so forth and going to church there. And I said, wonderful. I said, well, how's Cindy doing? She kind of hung her head down a little bit and she said, she, she's doing good. I said, well, really wonderful. She in church? And she said, well, she is now. She is now. And I said, well, what happened? And uh, well, she said, when Cindy was about 17, getting ready to graduate from high school, we were already, we'd already grown up and went to college and I was away from the youth group. And um, Cindy was in her senior year and she was started hanging around the wrong crowd. And uh, she got into a car and, uh, where they were drinking. And the, 
the driver was, had been drinking. And, uh, and so uh, the driver uh, was speeding down a country road and went to take a curve and couldn't slow down enough on the curve and went off the road and hit a tree. And, uh, and so it happened that the car went on Cindy's side and, uh, and she, she made it out alive. And I said, well, good. And I said, well, what happened? And, and she said, well, she's a paraplegic today meaning that she's paralyzed from the neck down. And I said, I'm so sorry about that. She said, don't be sorry. She said, it's been a hard time for us, but Cindy doesn't miss a church service anymore. Cindy, you know, she, uh, she loves the Lord and she's trying to do her best to live for God. And I think about, you know, did it take that to convince Cindy? Did it take that? You know, I don't want to, I don't even want to say that, but, but if, hey, listen, if, if God is trying to convince you through the people he's put in your life and he, he's trying to convince you through your pastor and the preachers that God has put in your life and the services that go on here and, and the singing and the preaching and, and God uh, is trying to convince you through your parents and if he can't, God's still going to work to convince you to get, to give you his attention, to give your attention to the Lord. What breaks the heart of God is that there are some here today, some who have allowed the disappointment of people to convince you to turn your heart away from the Lord and not let him convince you. There are some in this room that have allowed discouraging circumstances to convince you that God does not care about you. Some in this room have allowed the bad decisions of those in your life They have affected you. And you've allowed those bad decisions of others to convince you that your life could never be better. I believe that. I struggled with this, especially after I got saved. I was... Before I got saved, I was lost. I didn't have the Lord in my life and didn't have the Spirit of God working in my heart. I was a bitter, bitter young man. Broken home. My dad left us. My mom with four kids. And I was the only boy. And not having your dad in your life, you know, it's pretty rough, pretty tough. And, you know, when I got saved, I had to, I had to allow the Lord to convince me that, that those decisions that the, my parents made in their life did not have to affect me. And that I had to be, let, let God convince me that God had something better for my life. That I didn't have to live as a victim of those circumstances. And I'd say it, but as a good as looking group as you are here this morning, there's some of you that are feeling that way. Some of you. Satan's tactic, his number one tactic since the Garden of Eden has been to persuade all of man to doubt the Lord, to not allow him to convince them. 
The fact of the matter is he is doing everything he can. Listen this morning, he is doing everything he can to convince you of his love, his peace, and his purpose that he has for you for all the days of your life. He is truly doing so. Think about this. Every day, God is trying to convince you through his sunrises and through his sunsets. He is trying to convince you through the beautiful fall season and and the spring season. He is trying to convince you. All the good God has created for us to enjoy, he created for us to enjoy that we might always be reminded to stay convinced that God is real. When our kids growing up, we would look at sunsets and we'd go down Brown Road heading toward the church and the house and across there was a big soybean field. It was all cleared and, and uh, you could see the sunset and uh, you couldn't see the sunrise because it was 30 miles away. They're coming up, you know, from the ocean, but, but uh, you know, beautiful sunrise of the ocean. Ocean City, but but you cross that soybean field when the sun was setting, it was always just, uh, most of the time, it was like a picture perfect, you know, you want to take pictures. We'd got a lot of pictures on our phone. We'd say, look at it, take, take a picture. And I said this a hundred times, if not more. I would say this to our kids just in passing. I'd say, man, that is so beautiful. And then I'd say, you imagine that? If God can make something so beautiful like that, could you imagine how beautiful he can make your life? God created that. And, and God created so beautiful what God can do in your life if you will allow him to. We would say that often to them. God is always trying to convince us through all these wonderful things that God has created for us to enjoy. You go out on a, on a fishing boat and you enjoy the ocean. God created that for you to enjoy. Man, you take a, a walk in the woods and, and man, you, you hear the wind whistling in the leaves and, and maybe they're falling because it's the fall season and it's beautiful. And, and God made all of that trying to convince you that he loves you and he has something planned for your life. I created all this for you to enjoy. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. God is always trying to convince you and I by his many blessings the blessings of the food we have to eat. How many brought you lunch today, man? All right. Where did that come from? Came from home. Where did your home get it from? The grocery store. Where did the grocery store get it from? The warehouse. Where did the warehouse get it from? From the farmer. Where did the farmer get it from? From the ground. Who made the ground? God. It comes from God. Now, there are some things that really, man, God is especially, I love some of the things that God created. I love oatmeal pies, amen? They're some of my favorites. God is always trying to convince you by his many blessings. The blessings of the food we have to eat, the roof over our heads, the water that we have to drink, the blessings of how he has sustained us and kept us alive. How many here are alive? Raise your hand. Do you know that God has sustained you? God has kept you alive? 
I mean, he's kept your, your lungs breathing and your heart beating and, and God has sustained you with some food. God has, God has done that. He has blessed you. He has sustained you. Why? Because he is trying to convince you. The blessings of our eyesight, of our hearing and our ability to speak to one another, the blessings of family and church family and school family and friends. God is through these blessings trying to convince you. Then let me say, God is trying to convince you through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. He's trying to convince you that he loves you. For God so loved the world. And how do we know that God loves us? And that so that we wouldn't have to go to hell for our sin. Jesus came and he died for us. He paid the price. I want to ask you this morning, what more does God have to do to convince you that he's real and that he loves you and he, he has a plan for your life and he'll give you peace and healing in your life and your brokenness. He'll do that. It is hard for those who love you to believe that you're not convinced yet. Some people say, well, Rileto, if God will take this problem away, then I'll be convinced. Or they'll say, if, if, if God will take this pain away, or if the Lord will take this situation away, I'll be convinced. Do we realize this morning that Adam and Eve lived in paradise and yet Satan caused them to doubt God and they were not convinced that God was enough? And it was paradise. Perfect. There was no problem. There was no pain. There was no bad situation in their life. It was paradise. But the devil came along and convinced them to doubt God and uh, they were convinced that God wasn't enough, that they needed that fruit from the forbidden tree. They needed to listen to Satan's advice. What God said wasn't enough. In a perfect situation. It's hard to believe for those who love you this morning that you're not convinced because some of you are still, you're still not convinced you need to be saved. Some here this morning are still not convinced that the Lord has a purpose for your existence. There are some here this morning that are still not convinced that sin will ruin your life. You're still not convinced of that. And of all the sermons that have been preached and, and all the, the Sunday school lessons and the Bible classes, and you're still not convinced of that. I, I think about this story when I think about sin in my life. And I think about this man who was a professional, lived in another country. And uh, I watched the video, but the man lived in another country and he was a, uh, a boa constrictor or python handler. And uh, he had a, about a 12 to 14 foot boa constrictor, those big pythons, snakes, about 12, 14 feet long. And uh, he had that thing trained where uh, he would be able to take that, that snake and it would wrap around his body and by a certain command, uh, after the snake is wrapped in cor- uh, and, uh, around his body and like a coral and wrapped around his body, that he would give a certain command and that snake would unravel and come back down to the platform. Well, this particular, you know, he, the snake, you know, obviously I, by most of us room don't like snakes. I mean, I, the only good snake I like is a dead one, amen. And, uh, but anyway, 
And so this man, he did his, doing his, uh, his performance and that snake wrapped around his body and, and, uh, and, 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 and was squeezing him. And at a certain point, he would give the command and the snake would stop. But this time, the snake didn't. I saw the video. It was in another country. And he gave the command for the snake to stop and the snake didn't stop. And it kept squeezing him, kept squeezing him. They squeezed him and the people thought it was part of the show and they, they didn't, you know, jump up to help him and the snake ended up squeezing him to death. You know, we, we, we play with sin and we play with sin and we don't think it's gonna hurt us. And then at some point, you know, we can't handle it anymore and it destroys our life. And so we're yet not convinced in our life that sin will ruin our lives. Some in this room may not yet be convinced and uh, that sin will ruin your life. Some may not be convinced uh, until, and, and you're, you're, you, excuse me, some will be, are still convinced to hold on to your unforgiveness towards someone who has hurt you. You're still holding, you're not convinced to let it go. There's some in this room that are still convinced to hold on to your bitterness in your life. That's going to destroy you. There are those who will say, I will never let God convince me. You take a stance and you'll never let God convince you. But how many here are convinced the sun will come up in the morning? How many here are convinced the sun will set tonight? How many here are convinced you will have something to eat today and water to drink? How many here are convinced that your lungs will keep breathing in and breathing out air? How many here are convinced that your heart will keep on beating? See, your own testimony says that you, that God can convince you. God can. You're just maybe not allowing him to convince you in some areas of your life. Brother Lato, what convinced you to believe? what God said in his word. What convinced you to surrender your life to God's will? What is it that convinced you to let God heal your brokenness and bitterness as a young teenager? I'll say number one is this. There were several specific things that I thought about. This is a little personal to me, but I'll share it with you. What convinced me as a a 13-year-old boy that was broken up, that was grown up in a broken home, that had to struggle with bitterness and unforgiveness in their heart, What convinced me, number one, the first thing that convinced me is when I turned to the Lord when I was 13 and accepted him as my savior, I knew something had happened in my life, but I didn't know what it was. I remember walking into that service that Sunday morning and and not being saved and not having God in my life and not knowing the Lord. And I remember that Sunday morning when the preacher preached the gospel. and, And I remember he said this morning, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, he said, would you raise your hand? And I remember we're sitting there and and I, I wanted to get saved. My mother raised her hand. She and I were the only ones there that morning. And she raised her hand and he said, if you want to get saved, he said, right there where you are, why don't you have a talk with the Lord and tell him something like this. He did explain the gospel. And he said, right there where you are, why don't you ask the Lord Jesus to come into your heart and be your savior and mean it from your heart. Tell him, Lord, I trust that you died for me and that you paid for all of my sin. You tell him that. 
And I remember, I, I didn't know if he was hearing me at first. I, I never really prayed, I mean, and, and talked to God. And so I'm sitting there and saying, Lord, I'm hoping you hear me, but I'm trusting you right now as my Savior. And I said it about three or four times. They heard me the first time. But I said it several times because I wanted to make sure that he knew that I was trusting him as my Savior. And I can't explain. I, don't, I didn't understand everything that happened. But I'm going to tell you this. The tremendous peace that came over my life. Boy, the peace that came over my life that, that God brought into my heart that moment I got saved. Can I just tell you, I was convinced that moment that I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart that something was different. It wasn't the same as when I walked into that church service. Man, the peace of God, my, my, my man, all of a sudden, I remember my mom said, we, we were just going that one Sunday out of obligation. My Aunt Anna begged us to go for about a year. My, finally, my mother said, I'll go one time with you, Anna, if you'll shut up and never ask us again. So we were there that Sunday morning out of obligation to my Aunt Anne. And that Sunday morning, we didn't plan on going back to church. We didn't plan on ever owning one of these, the Bible. Never planned on it. Got saved that Sunday, that Sunday morning. The peace of God came to my heart. I remember when we left the service that Sunday morning. I said to my mom, I said, Mom, do you think we can come back? So he said, Sure. We'll come back next Sunday. I said, good. And I said, mom, I didn't care if I ever owned a Bible. I never cared about going to church. I grew up in a drinking, smoking, worldly home and, and living a wild life. I didn't care anything about the Bible, the church. Now I want to go to church. And then I said to my mom, I said, mom, I said, you think we can buy a Bible this week? She said, son, we sure can. And that week we went down to Hillsborough Avenue at a gospel shop. We bought a King James Bible and I began to read it. I mean, what God did in my heart, I was convinced that he was real. I was convinced that God had a plan for my life. I was convinced that God was in my heart, in my life, and I was convinced that God was doing something. I didn't know it. I couldn't explain it. But when I turned to the Lord and got saved, God convinced me that he was real. Let me tell you another thing. I saw the testimony. I saw the change life of my mom. That was a tremendous testimony to me. God convinced me that he was real, that his salvation was real, that his new life that he offered was real, that his peace was real, and that his purpose was real when I saw the great change that he made in my mother's life. Mom was a heavy smoker. She smoked about three packs of the long cigarettes a day. Our house our, back then, nobody went out to smoke. Mom smoked in the house, and our house had so much nicotine on the wall that it was like syrup dripping down the wall. Everything smelled like cigarettes. My mom was a, every other word was a cuss word. I honestly grew up in a home that I thought that God's last name started with a D, which is very, very bad. That's what I, I grew up in that. And mom was a heavy smoker, heavy cursor. My, you know, and she would go out juking on the weekends. That was drinking and dancing in the lounges. And, and, uh, and I, after we got saved that Sunday morning, I began to see this transformation in my mom's life. Man. Whew. That was in June of 1973 in November. Mom had grown so much in the Lord. And, you know, and, and man, She'd hardly ever cuss. Every now and then, the old habit would slip out, you know. But she went to the preacher and she said, Pastor, she said, I really want to teach a Sunday school class and, and I, I want to sing in a choir. And, um, and he said, Blanche, that's wonderful. He said, but 
you know, you got to be a good testimony to the girls that you teach in class and you be a testimony for the Lord. And he knew mom smoked, but I'd even ask her, you know why? Because we both smelt like cigarettes. Bad. And he said, Blanche, you'd ask the Lord to help you with the cigarettes and, and uh, you know, you get, God give you victory over that. The next Sunday morning, mom brought her last pack of cigarettes and put it on the altar. She walked away and never smoked again. I saw this. I was convinced that God was real because I saw the transformation that God did in my mother's life. I can tell you, my mother went on and kept growing the Lord and she surrendered and she went off at 55 years of age, went to Bible college and graduated at 60 and got an education degree and taught for 11 years in fourth grade. I mean, the change that God made, man, God convinced me through the testimony of my mother that he is real. And then, let me say this. God convinced me he was real through the transformation of my thinking through his word. God convinced me that he was real, that his salvation was real, and the new life that he given to me was real. When God began to change my thinking, Romans 12, 2 our theme, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God began to renew my mind. I was a teenager reading my Bible. We used to use the old Our Daily Bread, and that was our devotional book, and we'd get out the Bible and read the scripture with it. I was a teenager reading my Bible, and my mom and I, we were in a bad way before I got saved. I was rebellious to my mom and, and a bad attitude and, and just a bad teenager with my mother before I got saved. And, uh, and so after I got saved, God began to work in my heart. And I was reading in my devotions one morning, uh, Proverbs 15, one, where the Lord says, a soft answer turneth away, well, turneth away wrath, but grievous words stirreth up anger. And I was reading that verse and the Holy Spirit of God, God through his word, convicted my heart. I was just 14 years old. And through reading his word, God began to change my thinking about how I was treating my mother. And I remember going to my mother and I, and I changed my attitude and I began to talk softly back to her. And uh, she thought I was really being smart aleck at first, you know, because I was saying, yes, ma'am, and yes, ma'am. I was doing, and she thought I was just being sarcastic. And she got on me the first time. I said, no, mom, I'm real. This is real. God told me that I needed to respect you and honor you. And uh, God convinced me through the change he personally made in my life. Listen, young people, you spend time with the Lord. You spend time in his word and God will speak with you. And the impact that God makes in your life, you will never forget it. Never. I remember reading my Bible as a teenager and I was having a time with the Lord and and I, was, I had long hair then, that long, wavy, nice hair then. I was reading 1 Corinthians eleven fourteen, where God says it's a shame to a man to have long hair. I said, ooh, Lord, my hair's too long. And I said, Lord, I'll get it cut. And God spoke to my heart about my hair, and I went down and got it cut. And I remember my music was the same way. I was reading my Bible one day and having devotions, and God spoke to my heart about 
the music that he wants me to listen to in Ephesians 5 and Colossians chapter 3. And he convinced me to change my mind about my music, to change my mind about my hair, to change my mind about the way I treated my mother. God spoke to my heart. God transformed my life. You know, I thank the Lord for the preacher I had in my life and the youth pastor I had in my life, but it was my relationship with the Lord and the impact that God had in my life that convinced me that God God is real. And when you have that personal relationship with the Lord and God begins to impact you and speak to you personally, you'll never forget it. You'll never forget it. I remember that little boy went to Sunday school and, and he got home and his mom said to him, he said, son, uh, what'd you, what, how'd, how'd Sunday school go today? And she said, mom, I met the most unforgettable person Jesus today. The little boy got saved. Can I just tell you, when you meet Jesus and you know him, he's unforgettable. You don't forget. And then let me say this, and I'm done. Testing also, the testing I went through convinced me the Lord is real. The testing. Like some of you in this room this morning, life was not easy growing up in a broken home. When I got saved, I was a troubled, bitter young man, but God's grace healed me and changed my life and allowed me to forgive my father and eventually my stepmother. And I, that, that experience with the Lord convinced me that God is real. I remember my mother was very bitter at my father and I was having my 16th birthday and my mom would not have anything to do with my stepmother. It was my stepmother that my dad had the relationship with the third time and my mother had to finally leave him. And my mother was very bitter. We've been saved three years now. Mom still was struggling with that. My 16th birthday, special day. And we're gonna have a little party at the house and inviting all my Christian friends over and, and uh, family was coming over. And I, I said to my mom, I said, mom, do you think, do you think uh, it's okay if dad and Tracy come? And uh, I'd already forgiven my father, but my mother hadn't. And she said, uh, yeah, I think it's okay. I've forgiven your dad and I've forgiven Tracy. They came over that night and I remember, and only God can do this. I remember my mother, I can see her serving my dad and my stepmother some punch, and some cake. Only God can do that. Only God can heal that brokenness. And he did. I think about the trial of losing my dad. I got a call from my stepmom who told me that my dad was killed in a hay baling machine. So that was the most difficult time in my life. The Lord filled me with his grace and peace. I'll never forget the grace and peace that God gave to me in my life. And then lastly, I want to say this, time alone with the Lord also convinced me that God is real. Let me just say this, young person, time alone with the Lord. Isaiah 26, 3 says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on him. You need to have some places you're, you get alone with the Lord. Get along with God. Do you have a place? 
Can you, if you say, hey, Brother Layton, I want to show you where I meet with the Lord, where I read his word and, and I pray and I could take you, look at, look at me, I could take you to places this morning that became my sanctuary when I was a teenager. Because we had a farm and a lot of, you know, work had to be done. And there were many a time I would be on the back of a tractor disc in the field and I would spend hours on that tractor. As a teen, saved teenage boy, praying and singing and crying my heart out to God. There are many a day when I had to fix a barbed wire fence and I was out there by myself and, and I'd be out there and just singing out loud and praying and crying out to God as a teenager. And that stuck with me until today, having a place where it's a sanctuary where just me and God meet. That started when I was a teenager, when I first got saved. My time alone with God, when God brought peace and God brought joy, God brought that experience in my life. You know, Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul said that I may experience him in my life. And when you experience God in your life, you never forget it. You will be convinced that God is real, that his salvation is real that his purpose that he has for your life is real. You'll be convinced. Now, I'm going to just tell you this. God's going to keep on working to convince you. He'll continue to work to convince you. A young lady once came to the preacher. She was in great distress because, as she said, she could not love Jesus Christ. She did not want to love him, but somehow she couldn't. So the preacher said to her, well, young lady, don't keep thinking about your love to Jesus, but just keep on saying, Jesus loves me. Say it to yourself over and over again and come and see me tomorrow. The young lady did as she was told. And when she came to see the preacher the next day, there was no need to tell him of the change that had taken place. Her face was radiant. The love of God had been shed abroad in her heart by the Holy Spirit. She had understood and was convinced that Jesus loved her. You know, God's going to keep working in your life to convince you that he loves you. That he created you for a purpose. He's going to keep working to convince you to get saved. To surrender. To forsake the sin in your life and bring glory to him through your testimony. He's going to keep working. Don't be like Cindy though. Let him convince you through those in your life that he's put in your life. Would you bow your heads for a moment? With their head bowed and their eyes closed here this morning, maybe you have been closed off to God convincing you of anything. Maybe you have just, because of the circumstances in your life, you're bitter, your spirit is shut up. You're shut up in your spirit because of what people have done to you things that have happened in your life why don't you come this morning and ask the Lord to make you to be convincing 